What a reminder that God takes us just as we are. If you're waiting to be better, you're waiting to be perfect, you're waiting to be good, you want to be more religious, you, for, you can forget all that. God knows exactly who you are, loves you right where you are, but intends to save you in Christ. And if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, that's your next step. And then God starts doing a great work in your life. Uh, we have been in a message series in Hebrews chapter 11, talking about trusting God uh, for what we cannot see, modeling those heroes of the faith that are cataloged in Hebrews chapter 11 as we follow them, and each one we're told that there's a recitation that by faith they trusted God, and we want to learn from them. But as we look into that text in Hebrews 11, we might think that it means that we've got to be perfect in faith, that, to be, that these heroes of the faith had no flaws, no mistakes along the way. They never failed God. They were always perfect in their faith. And that's, that's not at all what it means. In fact, we're reflected more in Hebrews chapter 11 than we might even realize. And I hope as we go along, we see that today. Because what God wants to do is restore you. And, and I want to say this, and I'm going to talk mostly to those of us in this room and those at home that are struggling with our faith. Uh, we we kind of pretend like everything's okay. We want to pretend like we have that faith that moves mountains, and yet we really have no idea what Jesus means when he says you can have faith that moves mountains. We want to we be like and live like and pretend like we have faith to trust God beyond what we can see, and yet we struggle even to understand what that means. And some of us have, have real doubts about what God is doing, real doubts about our faith. I want us to understand the book of Hebrews chapter 11 is there for us too. It's there to bolster, restore, and strengthen your faith. That's what God wants to do. Four-star general, secretary of state, Colin Powell. Now, one thing a lot of people didn't know about Powell is that he also liked to fix things. He spent hours and hours in his garage at home or in the house somewhere tinkering and fixing things. He liked to fix cars and carburetors. He worked on plumbing and electricity. He would go out into his shop or in his garage and, and, and try to fix anything he could come uh, that seemed broken. And, and uh, his family said it wasn't always pretty that he left behind a legacy of misplaced plywood, duct tape here and there, and the occasional really strange fixture, fixture on, on the plumbing. But if it was fixable, he would try to fix it. And someone asked him one time, why did he like so much fixing things? And he said, well, first of all, that's the nature of being a soldier. He said, as an officer in the army, I would take a rough recruit and I would turn that recruit into a soldier. I was basically able to improve them. And so it's, it's woven into my life. But he said, honestly, there's two reasons that I like to go out and fix things and, and bring things in and fix them the best I can. And he said, one reason is that while it's the nature of a soldier to make improvements and in a re very real, real way fix lives, a secretary of state doesn't do that. He said, the secretary of state travels the world trying to keep things together, just trying to help manage the problems and nothing gets fixed. And, and you know that when you're a politician or a secretary of state, that's, that's what you do. But he said the bigger reason is, is a lot more simple than that. He said, if I find something that's broken, I don't believe it should be discarded. I think if at all possible it should be restored it should have value again. 
and it should be useful again. I want to offer this morning that some of you sit here or at home and you find that your faith is a little bit broken. Maybe it's because something's happened to you or maybe something you had prayed and asked God to do never happened for you. And you find yourself at that place where you you want to believe, but sometimes you're washed in doubt and your faith is struggling. And here Pastor Bob is preaching a series on trusting God for what you cannot see. You're having trouble trusting God for what you do see and what's happened. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 is there for you more than anybody else. Because these heroes of the faith are not perfect, they're flawed. They mess up, consistently mess up. And yet God continues to use them for the great work of God. And just in case we wonder about that, the next person that we'll look at this morning cataloged in the heroes, the legacy of heroes of faith, what stands out for her more than anything else is when she did not believe. If she were not cataloged among those of faith, we would remember her for the day she did not believe. In fact, the day she laughed in the face of faith. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 11 with me this morning. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 11. The Bible says, By faith even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sea and as innumerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. Did you see the difference in how Sarah, the wife of Abraham, how her description begins? It's a little bit different than than that of Noah, than that of Enoch, than that of Abel, than that of even her husband Abraham, as we saw last week. It's almost as if the writer is surprised. By faith, even Sarah herself... Even Sarah herself experienced the great work of God by her faith. Why why is it such a surprise? Well, it's for one thing because, as the writer says, even though she was old and unable to conceive, but but there's behind that a, a sense of shock and surprise, even though Sarah herself, the person that prior to believing did not believe. Here's what the writer's talking about. The story of Abraham and Sarah is recorded in in a great deal of the book of Genesis. And then we find this unusual situation in Genesis chapter 18 where God comes to visit Abraham uh, and he talks to Abraham about the promise. Now you'll recall, uh, by faith, Abraham lived in tents in the promised land. He didn't even have a home there. He was a nomad, a sojourner. So God would come to encourage him. God would come to strengthen him. God would come to remind him to have faith and and trust God for what he did not see, that this land in which he was a a foreigner and a sojourner would one day, in fact, be the land of his descendants. And one day God shows up to encourage him in that. In Genesis 18, verse 9, the Bible says, Where is your wife Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he answered. And the Lord said, I will certainly come back to you in about a year's time, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent behind him. Yeah, she was eavesdropping. Abraham and Sarah were old, getting on in years. Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. So she laughed to herself. After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I have delight 
That is, will I have the joy of my heart of having children? But the Lord asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, can I really have a baby when I'm old? Is anything impossible for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will come back to you. And in about a year, she will have a son. Sarah denied it. That is, denied that she had laughed. I did not laugh, she said, because she was afraid. But he replied, no, you you did laugh. You did laugh. The Lord told Abraham she had laughed. That would be the legacy of Sarah if it were not for what came next. And what came next for Sarah was that partnered with Abraham, a great man of faith, flawed as he is as well, a great man of faith, her husband, partnered with him, her faith grows, and she begins to trust God for what she cannot see. And now the book of Hebrews chronicles her. What a surprise. The doubting Sarah. The doubting Sarah by faith. God did in her life what she could not see because she trusted him for who he was. And that's the key. Trust God for who he is. When you struggle to trust God for what you cannot see, or maybe just trust God for today, remember, trust God for who he is. Don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at your liabilities. Don't look at your problems, your past, your pain. Don't look at your doubts or your struggles. Don't look at your preferences or opinions. Look at who he is. Trust God for who he is and put your faith in him for who he is. That's how you trust God for what you cannot see. You're not trusting the circumstances or the moment or the appearances. You're trusting him for what you cannot see. Let's go back to Hebrews 11, these two verses that package Sarah in such an interesting way. They also remind us, those of us struggling with our faith, those of us seeking restoration, what do we do next? How do we, how do we trust God for what we do not see? Then we go back to this passage. I want you to look with me at three principles, three ways, three applications of how you can trust God for what you do not see, how you can be restored, and, and what you can do right now. If you're struggling with your faith, This is what you do right now. First of all, focus your faith on God's power. Focus your faith on God's power. We read it this way. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring even though she was past the age. And we're reminded multiple times she was past the age of conception. The phrase translated, she was able to conceive, is a very unusual phrase. In the ancient Hebrew language, it actually applies to men rather than women. And this has given scholars fits for a long time. Is this really talking about Abraham and not Sarah? What, what's the, the mix here or the mix up? Is the, it, it, was the biblical writer inaccurate? No, not at all. Because what the passage is teaching, Sarah is embedded right in the middle of the teaching of Abraham and his faith and trusting God for what he could not see. And it's a reminder of their partnership in faith. And by their partnership in faith, she learned to and strengthened her faith in God and what she could not see. She experienced God's power just as Abraham did. You'll notice in the text, we're not told that God gave them a child. What we're told is God gave them back the ability to conceive. It was a partnership. It was both of them together that God, as the creator of the universe, 
which is also underscored in Hebrews 11, we're talking about our Creator, gave back to them the ability in their old age, the ability to conceive. What a surprise for them both. Only answerable and explainable by the very power of Almighty God. See, God exerts His power very specifically to those of faith, and in our lives, He exerts His power to carry out His will. This was His promise that they would have a child. And he exerts his power so that they will have a child. Their progeny will become the generations to follow. His promise will be carried out by the birth of their son. It's his will that's being done, and his power is applied to his will. In the book of Hebrews, the term translated in Greek as power gives us our English word dynamite. And in the ancient language, it's specifically applied to targeted power. And power far greater than anyone could comprehend, but it's God's power and applies to God's power. So God targets it. He specifies where it goes and how it's used. It's his power. When you trust God for what you cannot see and what you do not see, you are trusting God to apply his power in keeping with his will. You are believing him by his nature that he has power you do not have. And you will trust him to do what only he can do in your life. And by your faith. If you're in this room this morning, you're at home and you're struggling. Where is God's power in my life? Your faith is waning because you're wondering, why doesn't God answer prayers the way that I want God to answer them? Remember, God applies his power according to his will and always for what's best to fulfill his promise. That's his nature. That's what he does. In 1992, Hurricane Andrew came ashore in South Florida, destroying and damaging so many homes. And a lady named Norena had her home severely damaged. She filed an insurance claim. The insurance came through, and they paid for repairs to her home until the money ran out. And when the money ran out, the contractor left, which would be all well and good, except it stopped short of her having any electricity any power in the house. Now, eventually, the mayor of Miami-Dade, that South Florida region, learned about her plight. He paid for a contractor to come over, and in about three hours, the contractor, free of charge, had her power on. Good news, right? The only problem was that happened in 2007. From 1992 to 2007, Norena had no electricity, no power. Her neighbors later said they didn't know anything was wrong. They thought everything was fine because she was using uh, gas lanterns in the house. She was going about her business, coming and going as she normally would. They didn't even notice that she had no power. They thought she had electricity just like they did. A reporter asked her in 2007, after 15 years of no power, (laughs) what was the first thing she was going to do? She said, I'm going to take a hot bath. And then they asked her, how do you feel? And she said, I feel overwhelmed. Overwhelmed that suddenly I have electricity. I have power. I think many of us sitting in this room, maybe you at home, if someone looking at you, they would think your faith is fine. They would think you're you're trusting God just fine. And maybe you think that as well. Everything looks good from the outside. The problem is you're not trusting him for his power. You don't believe that, really believe that God can do whatever God promises to do. 
and that he has your best interest in mind. You want to believe it. You have a, a semblance of faith, but it needs to be restored, strengthened, returned. Trust God for what you cannot be, see. Focus on him and focus your faith on his power. Secondly, focus your faith on God's character, the nature of God, the person of God. Focus your faith on who he is instead of just what you want God to do. Uh, the next thing we're told about Sarah is this. Since she considered, that is, this happened since she considered that the one who had promised, listen, was faithful. How did Sarah get from the laughing doubter to the person who could trust God for what she could not see? You know what she did? She sat down and she thought about God. And with Abraham's help, no doubt, even though that's not recorded specifically, learned about God, began to trust God again based on who he is. The term translated she considered means she reflected on it. She thought about God and she thought about his nature. And she came to this conclusion based on what she already knew about God and what Abraham had already experienced. She came to the conclusion that the one who made the promise was always faithful when he made a promise. His character and his nature, she concluded, were such that God is always faithful to what he says he's going to do. Even though I can't see it yet, God is always faithful. He's faithful by nature. The Apostle Paul would put it this way. We are faithless, but God is always faithful because he cannot deny himself. You see, God cannot not be God. He must be faithful to you. He must, bring, he must carry out his promises. He must fulfill his word. That's what he does because that's his nature. It's impossible for God not to be faithful to his promises. That's who he is. That's what he does. Now bear in mind when we say that, we often think of, well, those good promises of God, those things that we want God to do. But remember, these promises mean that God also has promised that he will judge sin. On the one hand, he promises he will save all those who come to faith in Christ, cleanse them of sin and unrighteousness, but it also means he will judge our sin and has already done that. John tells us in 1 John that he is, remember this, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us when we confess our sin. God is always faithful. That's his nature. That's his character. When you struggle with your faith, don't focus on the circumstances or the problems or, or what God has not done or what you want God to do. Focus on him and his character. And remember, he's always faithful to his promises. You can always trust him for what you do not see. Now, to know that, you've got to be in his word. You have to understand what the promises are, what his will is. But when God makes a promise, he makes that promise firmly and bases it on his nature and his will, not on you, not on whether you're good enough for it, because you and I are not good enough for it. He bases it on him, himself and his will and who he is. So focus your faith on the character of God. I like to put it this way sometimes. When you're struggling with your faith, remind yourself of what you know to be true. When you're wondering about things that you're not sure about, well, what is it that you're sure about? Okay, here are the things born out in Scripture. First of all, you have a creator. The Bible opens that way. You have a creator who knows you and designed you. He knows you better than you know yourself. 
That means, and the Bible teaches consistently over and over, he loves you. And he loves you in a way that will not be taken away from you. He loves you without end. He loves you absolutely. He just loves you because he created you. He knows you. Now, he also knows, this is an absolute of scripture, that you and I are sinners desperately in need of a Savior. So he also knew that we could not save ourselves or ever be good enough for that. So he was faithful to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sin. And then he was faithful to raise Jesus from the grave. So Jesus is alive today. God is always faithful to his promises. Start with what you know for certain and remember him, who he is. That's who you trust. So when God is asking you to trust him for what you cannot see, remember who he is. Yeah, this is your God. This is your savior. This is your king. This is your friend, your redeemer. This is Jesus talking. Trust him. For what you cannot see. Let him restore your faith as you trust him in what comes next. Then last, focus your faith on God's promise. Focus your faith on God's promise. Again, you need to know his word. You need to know what that promise is. When you're discouraged, when you're down, when your faith is waning, that's not the time to close the Bible and walk away. That's the time to open the Word of God and dig in deeply so you know God's Word even better. So you know His promises and you know what they are. God had consistently reminded Abraham and then Sarah of His promise, of His call that started in Genesis chapter 12, that He would make him a great nation. And that meant that God's promise that they would bear a child would absolutely be fulfilled. But they would have to trust God for what they could not see. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 12, we read again, Therefore, from one man, because she, because she trusted God for what she could not see, based on him being faithful, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sea and as innumerable as the grains of the sand along the seashore. Yeah, there's something about that promise that we don't want to overlook. Abraham and Sarah were not there when it was fulfilled. Oh, the promise was fulfilled. Isaac would come along. Jacob would come along. The forefathers of the faith would come along. And just as God promised, the heritage of the Israelites would expand. And they would bless the world if they, if they kept obedient to God. And out of them, Christ would come and Christ would save us from our sins. And the church of Jesus Christ across the ages numbers billions of people blessing the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's promise is fulfilled. Next time you go to the beach or this weekend, maybe you're planning to do it, tomorrow's Labor Day, go to the beach, stand on the seashore, try to count the grains of sand. There's a reason God used that illustration for the number of people that would come out of the promise to Abraham and Sarah. People of faith, people of promise, and people that would trust God for what they could not see. It's a strange phrase, isn't it, when it's speaking of Abraham as one who was dead, in fact. Even, it's odd. We read it, in fact, from one as good as dead. Now, in the case of Abraham, what that means is he could not, prior to that moment, conceive children. He was not a life giver. He was one as good as dead in the sense that life did not come through him until God gave them uh, that, uh, that, that ability, until God restored to them to the, the ability to conceive. 
But as we've already seen so much in, in the catalog of heroes in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, it foreshadows Jesus Christ. Because we are taught through the Apostle Paul that Christ was the one man who would fulfill the promise of God. That he would, in fact, die on the cross for us, then God would raise him from the grave. And innumerable billions of people would come through him by faith and become the people of God. The thing about trusting God for what you cannot see is that you might not see it. Yeah. The thing about trusting God for what you cannot see is that you trust him when you pray for people to be saved, and you might not be there when they come to faith in Christ. You, you trust Him to do great works. You trust Him for grandchildren you may not even have yet. You trust Him for children that will come along. You trust Him for the next generation of First Baptist Church. You trust Him for your family. You trust Him to do great works in the lives of people you love and in our community. You trust God for what you cannot see, and you may not see it. But when you trust God for what you cannot see, you are trusting your eternal God. And God always sees you and everyone else from the perspective of eternity. Can you trust him for what you cannot see? That God will fulfill his promises. Why? Because he's faithful. He's faithful. He'll always do what he says he will do. I was talking a little while ago about us launching the new church here. Very excited about that. And I was reminded this week of our, of our wonderful ministry teams and committees. Just, just love you guys. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord and to the church. And, and for all you do, you work hard to make things happen. And I hope and I pray and I, I really believe that our leaders in ministry and, co and committee leaders see things through the eyes of faith. I hope we do. Because we're always uh, capable of drifting back to seeing things just in front of us rather than trusting God for what we cannot see. But did you know that we have a ministry team in our church that only exists to see things that only God can see, to trust God for what they cannot see. In fact, everything they do is based on that faith, to believe God for what they cannot see. We call it the Community Connections Team. The Community Connections Team is all about the gospel. They're all about prayer walking. They're all about believing God is at work in the neighborhoods around us. And they prepare for that, and they seek to help you and me train for that in gospel conversations. They believe lost people are pocketed all over Brunswick County. They believe lost people, people that need Jesus, are just right across the street. They believe that if they go out and pray, they can trust God to do a work they won't see just yet. But some of it they have some. We have people sitting in here right now, people that have been baptized into this church, for the reason that the Community Connections team hit the streets and prayed and met people and talked to people, always believing. Let me ask you a question. If you're a ministry leader in this church, which version of faith do you practice day by day in your ministry? Are you operating your ministry from the perspective of what you see? Who's already there? You prepare for the people that already know, already understand, are already here, or do you operate under a perspective of faith for, in God for what you cannot see? God's going to bring people. People I don't even know yet. I need to be prepared for that. God wants me to teach people that he's going to bring there this coming Sunday. People I don't even know yet. Uh, which version of faith do you apply when you prepare for each Sunday and each Wednesday night? Let's be people 
that trust God for what we cannot see. Trust God for people that he's going to bring that we don't even know yet and see what God does. But back to you personally. How's your faith doing? How's your faith doing? Maybe you waned and wavered and it's been weak lately. You, you're not as strong in your faith as you like to be or you used to be. You're having trouble trusting God for what you see, let alone what you don't see. Uh, a company called Pandora Diamonds is expanding in the United States, hoping to grow a part of their business in a way that's more explosive than has been done yet uh, in North America. That is, they produce laboratory diamonds. Now, laboratory diamonds are, are diamonds. They're, they're good things. They're diamonds. And, and the production of laboratory diamonds came about uh, several years ago, the idea that, that man-made diamonds would offset the, some of the horrendous practices in other countries where diamonds are mined in those particular countries. And laboratory diamonds are graded the exact same way as the diamonds that are grown in the ground and in the mines. Those, those diamonds are grown by process and pressure and over a great deal of time. And then they are mined from those mines and, and then the quality is, is unearthed as they are taken further in the process. But the laboratory diamond is produced exactly like it's intended to. It's a man-made diamond. They're graded the same way. They're graded by color, clarity, cut, and carrot. Exactly the same. And you can go in a store today and, and buy either one, and you'll notice when you do an extraordinary difference in the price because that's kind of the point. The lab, the lab created diamonds are far less expensive than the diamonds that are, that are created by process and pressure and then come out of the mine and, and have to be uh, uh, manipulated and, and shaven and worked on and chipped away and cut more. And, and finally, that stone is brought out. Faith is very similar to that. I believe everyone in this room and everyone at home, if you trusted Christ as your Savior, you have faith. But which faith is it? Is it your man-focused, your right-now faith that you'd rather not have any pressure in the process? You, you grow when you want to grow, do what you want to do, and, you, and you're struggling to see beyond the moment. You, you trust God, you just don't yet trust God for what you do not see. But the faith that is mined in pressure and practice and the process of growth reveals more and more of the quality of that faith. In truth, it's nearly priceless. And it only one, takes one time to come into the light and to trust God for what you cannot see. It only takes one time to realize He is always faithful. I can always trust Him. He will always fulfill His promise. And that faith is shaped that faith grows. Which one do you have? Which one do you want? If your faith is struggling this morning, I want to challenge you with just one thing. What are you so worried about? Trust God for what you cannot see. And let Him show up. Let Him be faithful to you today, this week, next month. Trust Him for what you cannot see. And watch what God will do when you trust him. Heavenly Father, we sit in this place, God, and we, we know you. 
We say we do. We sit at home this morning. We know you, or we say we do. And God, as you search our hearts, Father, I pray you would reveal to us, what's our faith really like? What's our faith really like? Do we trust you, God, for what we cannot see? Believe you, God, for great things ahead. Believe you're faithful to your promises. Or God, did we cap off our faith at some point and say, this is, this is all we're going to do? We're fine just to sit here. Or God, maybe we're, we're one of those that, that is broken in our faith. It's waned and it's weak. And like Sarah, we need to be reminded, Father, that you are always faithful. I pray for us today, God, wherever you find us, Father, that we would come back to you. That we would trust Christ again. Father, if we're believers in Christ that you would restore us, you would renew us, Father. We would recommit to following Christ today. And maybe we've never trusted Christ as our Savior. God, I pray today would be the day. We'd give our lives to Jesus Christ in faith. Come to you, believing you, God, that you will save a sinner just like you've saved all of us. You'll save another one today by your grace and through faith. So, God, I pray for us you'd strengthen our faith. You'd help us today. Be with us today, especially those who have waned in their faith. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand as the worship team comes. We're just going to sing together. And in that time, I'm going to wait here at the front. I'm going to invite you to come to join fellowship with First Baptist Church, to trust Christ as your Savior, to make that decision that God's leading you to make. I want to invite you to do that this morning. I want to invite you to continue in your decisions today. And if you're online with us, this is a time for you to give your tithes and offerings. You see that online or to send in that Connect card. Take that next step of decisions. The altar is here. If God's leading you to come, maybe you just need to start over today, to, to bow at the altar, to start over with him today. I want to invite you to do that. Stand with me. I'm going to pray for us again. Worship team's going to come. They're going to lead us in worship as we respond to the Lord in giving, in praying, in filling out a card and whatever God is leading you to do today, make sure you take that next step of faith. Heavenly Father, God, we praise you and we thank you. Thank you, God, for this moment when you remind us that you're always faithful. Thank you, God, for bolstering and strengthening our faith. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to respond to Christ today. I pray for those who need Jesus. They'd come to Christ today. I pray for those who need to simply strengthen their faith that they would do that today. As well, God, maybe bow at the altar, recommit their lives to Christ, do it right where they are in their seats. But God, that we would not leave this place with with the same weak faith we came in, God, that we would acknowledge you restore and strengthen our faith today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.